my first million was the hardest one. It was getting out of my own way. I, I knew how to build a really good team around me. But like I said earlier, it was hard for me to keep the players in the team. I was really good at onboarding them and drawing the big vision of where we're going. But I had the hardest time of, so I was good at building the relationship, but I had the hardest time of maintaining the relationship. Welcome to 7 to 8, our special series on seven and eight figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over seven figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to center stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Brigitte. Brigitte, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Okay, my name is Brigitte Höfele, born and raised in Germany, and I am the CEO of the Center of NLP. Nice. Awesome. So how did you get into NLP as a thing? <laughs> uh, I needed it for myself. I built a business coming from Germany, and um, for the longest time, I did really, really good. I hold two degrees you know, crossing cultures, uh, building businesses, building schools. And for the longest time, I did great in hiring staff, uh, onboarding new clients, but I, did, I wasn't really good at keeping them. And when I had a huge turnaround in staff, I also then had a huge turnaround in clients. And for about a good three years, I kept pointing fingers outward. I kept saying, oh, you know, you're silly for not knowing an opportunity. You're an idiot for leaving you, 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 you. And it wasn't until I finally kind of took a step back and said, wait a minute. There's a common denominator here. And that common denominator is myself. And that was a bitter pill to swallow. That was a hard thing to look at. And I said, Although I have all of these degrees and one of them is a communications degree, I suck at communicating. I mean, I do a great job in the front end. I do a really sucky job at the back end. What is it that I don't know? And Michelle, you probably teach this as well. The, the, the knowledge pie of, you know, there's a small, if you look at one big piece of pie, there's one small sliver of things that we know that we know. And then there's another small sliver of the things that we know that we don't know yet, but we're on that path of getting to know whatever that information is. But the biggest piece of the pie is the things that we don't know that we don't know. And I realized that there are so many more things, although I was kind of cocky, you know, coming from Germany, crossing cultures of, oh, I already know that. Well, when you tell yourself and everyone else around you that you already know that, then all learning ceases. And I, and I took a step back and I said, okay, so what am I missing here? And what is it that I don't know yet? And I didn't know, I didn't even know where to start. That was, that was the next hardest step. Like, what do I do? So I started, you know, picking up some books, reading on self-development. I realized what helped me was that I was the problem, but I didn't know what about me was the problem. So um, started reading books, going to some uh, self-development uh, programs, 
learning more information about, you know, who do I lock arms with? Who do I want to surround myself? Who do I mentor with? Who do I coach with? And that's what I found out about, you know, more about human behavior and specifically neurolinguistic programming. And that's how I got into that. But that, you know, between when I realized of what I needed to actually taking over the center of NLP, which has been around since 1986, we're like, 18 years between that. Wow. Nice. So who would you say that your ideal client is, or who do you serve most with the? Yeah. Ideal client is female around 40, 42. Um, her name's actually Vivian. I gave her a name. Uh, she has two and a half kids shops at Whole Foods. I mean, I'm, I'm getting really specific here about my avatar and I work with um, I work with male, uh, C-level executives, uh, rabbis, <laughs> OBGYNs. <laughs> so uh, although I have a very defined avatar, I, it seems like people are finding me that want to work with me. Nice. I love it. So what kind of issues are they working on? Uh, pretty much the same issues as I was working on. They realize that they want to get, so say a team, um, a, a, a team leader, an executive of a, a department or of a company sees that they want to get to a certain point, but they are also realizing I have some deficiencies or I have some limitations in my communication to relay what we are as a team focusing on and, and, and wanting to achieve as the result. So you know, what is it that I need to do with me so I can actually relay that information and make a bigger impact in my team, in my company, in my growth, in my scaling or whatever it is, or just simply in my relationship with my, you know, partner, business partner, spouse, whatever. Nice. I love it. So in your experience, is there a certain level where people get to where they're like, okay, I've out tacticed my business and it's not working. Clearly it's got to have something to do with me. Is there, is there a point in their business where that tends to happen? There's really not a specific point. I mean, if it were that easy, then <laughs> I can, you know, just simply go in there and, and, and build a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group and say, Hey, everyone that has that problem come into my group. That would be everyone that has eyes, ears, and a mouth. Um, and maybe much, a yeah. business <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you know, it's pretty simple. You know, I have one client who came to me, he was in IT, or he still is in high, in IT, and worked for a large university um, as, uh, I don't even remember what his title was, some kind of executive uh, over the IT department. And um, he, he uh, came from a different city, and they moved to Atlanta. And he found me, and he says, I am like, highly, highly skilled. And yet I cannot get my foot in the door anywhere. You know, will you help me? And I said, well, first I need to get to know you. Why don't we meet at the center? We met, we had a, a coaching agreement. And the first time I met him, he was sitting on his hands. He was trying to keep his legs from not moving. And he was looking down. And when I asked him a question and he looked up, he did not answer my question. He was clearly having a conversation with himself while I was trying to talk to him. And I, I'm not like, oh. okay, hold on, time out. What's going on? And then he shared with me, he said that he read in books that he's got to have his body language in check, that he needs to not wiggle his 
you know, fingers and his legs and that he needs to say the next witty thing that will really make an impression on the other person. And I'm like, uh, none of that. Okay. I agree with you. Your body language speaks louder than your words and your tonality. That is absolutely true. But if you're not present to hear what the person is asking you, then you will never build rapport and never will ever, no one will ever hire you because you totally missed the boat. He was my shortest lived coaching client ever because it only took three sessions. And then he calls me, he goes, I got the job that I wanted. And I'm like, boom, yeah. there. Were, oh, you, awesome. were you your own self? Were you fiddling with your fingers and wiggling with your feet? And he was like, yep. yep. And it felt good. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> right? They, they, I think there's something magical that happens when somebody gets to be themselves. And often the social constraints of you have to uh, are so impeding that that we look painful. Like it's painful mm. to watch us. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You're you're absolutely right. It is painful. And it's not it's painful for both parties. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. it's not pretty for anyone involved. <laughs> I, I love it. So when it comes to say leadership as a thing, because I know that's one of your specialities is, is, is being authentic and kind of getting rid of those childhood you have tos or adult you have tos <laughs> out of the picture and being able to be a better leader or what are some of the aspects to it? You mean the BS, I call them <laughs> belief systems. <laughs> yeah, those they're, ones. They're, they're belief systems. And yeah. yes, you know, some of those belief systems, they support you. Some of you might have gone through something in your childhood that you're like, yeah, it's awesome. That, that formed me into who I am. And, and that also takes um, an, a safe space and environment that will allow that to flourish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know about you, Michelle, but I'm also a parent to two daughters and they're 17 and 20 now. And you, I, you made I, it. <laughs> I, well, congratulations. My my sister likes to say my sister's 10 years older than me. She's she is known for saying small children, small problems, big children, big problems. But <laughs> that comes with a but because uh, I got two great kids. And I'm telling this story to say, right. um, although I have a, a social pedagogy and education science degree, I goofed. I screwed up in education. I screwed up with my kids raising them. And I have this conversation with them and I've asked for forgiveness. I'm like, I, I did not mean to do X, Y, Z, but I didn't know better at the time. I, in my, in my Ted talk, Michelle, I, I talk about how I lost while building very successful businesses. When my children were little, I sacrificed, I sacrificed a lot of time with my kids growing up. That hurts me that I think that hurts me more today than it hurt me back then. Cause I was so in it, just kind of, you know, getting at it and doing all the things. And again, I'm forgiving myself for that to really enjoy the time that I have with them now that they're, you know, almost grown. Nice. Love it. Well, and I know myself, I am definitely a better mother to my adult children um, than I was to my <laughs> little children. Cause it was like, okay, you are loud and in my way. <laughs> I like it but you're loud in my way. Uh, and now it's like, Hey, come over here. You're loud. Get in my way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we all have different parenting styles and he's starting to forgive me for this. Childhood woes. <laughs> 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 I can, I can appreciate that immensely. So <laughs> talk to me about some of the areas. Cause I know, um, I was reading up on you and the, 
it, you talk about juggling verbal chainsaws in the male dominated world. And I love that visual <laughs> expression. So <laughs> talk to me about kind of where that came from and how you, how you work with that. Uh, where that comes from it, well, you know, juggling those chainsaws is, um, comes from, um, accepting the call, accepting the call that I can be, and I can be part of that, um, environment of, uh, male dominant. And I'm not the only one, you know, there's many women out there. Some are meant for it and some are just not meant for it. And I actually like the thrill of juggling those chainsaws. I like, I like the, um, uh, the, the controversy on having some of those conversations. And it's not just a female in a male dominated uh, world. It is also, um, a German in a U.S. world, a, um, a, a white person in a black environment, a, I always like to seek the other. Um, I, I, I don't think I mentioned it earlier. One of my clients is a rabbi. And when he approached me, and this was in 2013, he approached me and he says, I want to coach with you. And I said, and I knew at the time that he was a rabbi, I said, no, no, you do not want to coach with me. Like, I was like, yeah, that's no, good fit, honey. I was afraid, right? right. And, and, uh, and he says, no, I want to coach with you. I want to learn from you. You've got, you got great energy. you got great knowledge. You are, you are where I want to be. I want to coach with you. And I had a conversation. We were in person. We're in those great days yeah. where we sat down and, <laughs> um, and, and I said, tell me. And, and he, the first, when we sat down, the first question that he asked was, have you killed a Jew? And I'm like, oh, uh, my, my grandfather was in concentration camp himself, not because he was a Jew, but because he was a man of God. But I said, of course I didn't. He says, well, then we're good. So let's get started. <laughs> and, and to this day, I am in contact with him. I'm not, you know, formally coaching him anymore and yet we're constantly uh talking and 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 I'm supporting him now he's supporting me and it's a beautiful togetherness and mm -hmm. I appreciate the other mm -hmm. to have that connection to have that togetherness and I think as a team leader as if you are you know no matter how big or small your team is uh, how big or small your, the companies that you're scaling um that togetherness is a big, big piece of that. Nice. Well, and I, I love that you seek the the opposition because I think that's the the <laughs> the the strongest strength and the the weakest link of a rebel is to go straight after that uh, the differences. Uh, and I'm only recognizing that in in what I do. And I think it's it helps to be able to see things from a different perspective. Uh, that you might not have understood before. Like, it's so easy sometimes to be able to go, why would anybody do that? Like, what a, whatever. Like, and, and it could be, it's a dumb idea. It could be, it's a naive idea. It could be that it's arrogant or like anything. We could put any label on that. But when we can go straight towards and go, hey, why'd you do that? Just because I'm curious. That was fascinating to me. And they go, oh, well, because you know, this. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> Just wondering what just happened but it, it takes somebody like you to be able to just go straight in there and go 
you know, what, why are you doing what you're doing? Because clearly there's benefit to you. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's a, you're right. There's a purpose beneath that. And and now I'm speaking to all the parents that have a teenager, you know, and, and, and I remember being a teenager when I asked my mom, mom, if I go to this university after school, is that something I have to do my entire life? And my mom just, you know, she la- she broke out in loud laughter and goes, honey, no, you're never going to do just one thing in your life. That's not who you are. And I had the exact same conversation with my 17 year old who's about to graduate. She actually took senior pictures today. Hey, so, so, you know. Thank you. So it's the, it's the, um, it, it's the purpose. It's the, and, and the, I think even nowadays, Michelle, it's so hard for our Gen Z's to seek, to see and seek the purpose. You know, mm-hmm. what is, what is it that you do and, 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 and for what reason are you doing it? Nice. Love that. So when they're, um, <laughs> it, it's being able to, Kind of look at the parenting, the business, the the drive to kind of achieving more um, that purpose inside. If somebody's looking at their business and they're going, I just know there's more. I, I know I can run a million dollar business. I go, no, I can run a billion dollar business. I know I can just do something, but it's not happening. How does how does that kind of play out as far as you've seen it, and how do you help people through that? You know what? I think the the way that you just described it, the first and the biggest hurdle is you're already aware that you can. So there's a want, there's a there's a I call it a well formed outcome already in place. Put that put a number on it, and then by when and now you gotta now it's starting to let go. So you need to you know create a team around you and delegate the tasks. I, I, I sometimes I like to call them the mundane tasks that you let go of that you that are either not worth your your own time or your own knowledge or your own expertise and delegate that to someone that does that with ease that you can pay that you can focus on the things that are you strong in and that's where i see a lot of people just having the hardest time of letting go because often they're a not aware of how big can i go I remember one of my mentors way back when said, if I would have known how big I can grow, I would have set the stake higher. And so often it's the, I'm not aware, or I don't know how, how big I can grow or how big I want to grow. Cause at some point, you know, depending how big you're going to grow or wanting to grow, that's the, that's the circle that you need to, create around you the support system that will help you to get there because you can't get there by yourself that's ridiculous (laughs) right so let's kind of back up the bus a little bit and look at when you um first made when you made your first million kind of what did what did you have to change in your life in order to be able to get there and what was your driving force to do that yeah i had to change me (laughs) my first million was the hardest one it was getting out of my own way. I I knew how to build a really good team around me. But like I said earlier, it was hard for me to keep the players in the team. I was really good at onboarding them and drawing the big vision of where we're going. But I had the hardest time of, so I was good at building the relationship, but I had the hardest time of maintaining the relationship. 
because mm -hmm. often my my quick planning doing gets in the way and it scares away the people that are really knowledgeable mm -hmm. and they either got fed up with me or I got fed up with them because mm -hmm. it wasn't quick enough um so I was definitely in my own way and that's why I couldn't go past the first million because I had a constant turnaround and that slowed me down. The, mm -hmm. the, you know, hiring someone, training them, making sure that they have all the pieces, sending them off to training. Um, and then once they are ready to go, they would leave. So I lost time. I lost resources. I lost money. And then that whole process started over again. And it, and that happened like over, over, over. <laughs> and then the bus it's hits tired. and we're like, okay, clearly I need to do something about me. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So yeah. when, when you, what, um, changed in your behavior about kind of, was it the interviewing process? Was it the onboarding? Was it the, inter the extended communication? What really changed afterwards that helped you to kind of maintain the, the good people? What, what changed with me is that I realized that not everyone is like me. <laughs> that I realized that people communicate different and people store information differently. People value different things. What a concept, what? right? But why? <laughs> they don't all value the same things that I value. But that just shows you, Michelle, of how self-absorbed I was. And I think that's a lot of people that are really successful find themselves into being self-absorbed. And then they lose that connection to the other. So when I learned that there are different value types, when I learned that there are people that appreciate different things, you know, some people appreciate fun and freedom and planning like I do. And then there are people that really appreciate knowledge and information more than I do. Or there are people that are really all about, you know, making it warm and fuzzy and caring. You need all of those. And when I really, I mean, you know, subconsciously we somewhat know that, but when I really brought it into my awareness and I was really able to, as I was, because I was good at onboarding, I was good at, at, at um, being enthusiastic and, and painting the picture, what the future is going to look like. But when I, when I fine tuned my listening to others, when I fine tuned my communication to the other person's specific values, to the other person's specific um system of how they're storing and 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 um keeping information and, and communicating in information um that's when it all shifted i love that well and i think that kind of the big picture visionaries find it so hard to delegate tasks because they don't realize kind of sometimes they need to get into the minutiae because somebody needs to see the minutiae they need to know this is the file that you open <laughs> this is where this file is saved yeah, and, like, and you gotta take it out of here. No, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you you gotta be able to take it out of the visionary's brain Same. and give it to someone so they can look at it and they can break it down. Yeah. The, yeah. the breaking down part for me is is easy because I in my personality type, I am very high actionable, but I'm also very high planning and predictable. That's where my, I think my German comes in. But then uh, having people like uh, the first personal assistant that I um, that I hired, she was all care, right? She was all fuzzy in her feelings. 
And I loved the things that she brought in her resume. But when I really went into the nitty gritty everyday work, I, I realized she is not for me and she does not help my business to get to the next level. Because mm -hmm. she's going to, you know, if, if it if it was really some hard conversations with team members, with employees, with um, clients, she was not the one to have that. It was now all back on me. So I realized I made some notes of, okay, next PA, once this person is done, and she was done pretty quick, um, that needs to, that PA needs to have this, 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 and this. And just being aware of that, oh, that's powerful. Right. Well, and I think a lot of people regret the mistakes that they make early on. And I'm like, well, you know, you learned a lot. <laughs> you wouldn't have learned it otherwise. It's awesome. Uh, you know, one of the laws that I teach is there's no failure, only feedback. <laughs> so, and when we, can, when we can accept it as feedback, then we actually learn from it. But when, he, when we just say, oh, you know, that was a failure, then we kind of dismiss it and not learn from it. Right. Nice. So in your business now, what would you say is your favorite part of your business? Marketing. Really? Tell yeah. tales. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love, well, I have a marketing degree. I, I love marketing. Um, I, I love being out there and, and, and meeting people. And that's, you know, th that's the goal of, or, well, it should be the goal of every growing business. Cause that's where it starts. It starts with relationships. Who do you make a, who do you have a relationship with? And the way that you show up speak, speaks much louder than any words. Um, and I'll tell you how. My husband and I went to um, an ongoing education. We we pour into ourselves uh, knowledge-wise and, and with education on a regular basis. So we flew to Dallas a few weeks ago. And during the session, um, there was a big line at Starbucks in the hotel. So we're like, we're not doing that. We're going to be in the room early. We got us a really nice seat. And during the session, um, when they did some, some, you know, questions and answers, I snuck out to get us some coffee and I'm standing in line at Starbucks. There was only three people, the person in front of me, me, and the person behind me. And this person behind me walks into the Starbucks and is like, you know, all cheery, good morning, everyone. And I'm like, hey, good morning, like a kindred spirit. And we got to talking and I didn't, I only knew his name, Joseph. And um, I liked the way he appeared very, you know, outgoing, very friendly. And I bought his coffee. I'm like, you know, I, I didn't ask for permission. I just kind of did it. And I said, hey, Joseph, this coffee's on me. And he's like, that's so kind. So we walked out together. Turns out he has several conferences and because of the quick relationship that we built we're now doing business together he's i'm booked for all of his conferences and we're going to do more of the trainings together that's how easy it can be love that love 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 that that is awesome so give us an example of one of your clients uh cinderella story like well, I already gave you one. Uh, that was, uh, was my one. IT guy, right? Yeah. Um, oh, there's so many. I, I have one client uh, who um, is working in um, a family business. They have a family succession planning business. And um, I think she's the youngest of them all and is working in the business and is constantly not listened to. 
right? So she she found me first and foremost to come in um, for us to train all of their uh, sales team. And we did that. And out of that, she said, I really like how you communicate. I want to learn how to do that. Like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of assumptions, but then there's also clarity and then you're confirming what the assumptions were before and now they're be being fact. I want to learn all of that. And I'm like, yeah, great, let's do it. And um, the CEO of that company was not her one of her the family members. It was a outside hired CEO and her and the CEO, oof, not happening. Like it was bad news. Um, and through the years, and we have now been working together for six, maybe seven years. She did like in a complete 180 and um, is not taking stuff from anyone, from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and is standing her grounds. Nice. She's one of the very few females in that company. And she's been around for, I think, 16, 17 years now in that company and has really made a name for herself. But she, they capped her. Like the CEO capped her climbing the corporate ladder. And she could do a much better job as the CEO of that company than anyone else. But she's learned to, I, I like to teach high, um, high intention, low attachment. So mm -hmm. she put out a, a high intention but then she wasn't attached to the outcome. And when she realized that she's doing a lot better in communicating, she's also created her own company, her own stuff on the side, and is now thriving where she was really, I don't want to say depressed, but she was just really deflated. Yeah. Yeah. Because she wasn't, she, she knew what her purpose was, or mm. she knows what her purpose is. It hasn't changed. So taking just her wasn't from, in a position to be able to, to, to take forth on that. And, and sometimes that's part of the, the hardest one is the family run businesses, because you want to, your heart's there, your family's heart's there, everybody's heart's there. And yet nobody can see the trees for the forest. And it's like, it's oh. tough. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say family owned businesses are one of the t really, really tough ones. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. love that where, where she, yeah. you know, imagine the energizer bunny, you know, with his little drums <laughs> and, and it's just kind of roaming around in the room. And eventually the energizer bunny goes, you know, kind of catches on the wall or in a corner. Yeah. Often we're like that. We're just constantly doing the same thing over and over and hitting that wall. And we're wondering why are we not getting somewhere where it just needs like a 1% turn, just a little, just a shift. And it'll start going again. Nice. Love that. So what are some, other than getting stuck in the corner and not noticing it, what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And then thinking, ah, oh, Brigitte, I need you so badly. Yeah. If they're getting, if they have a clear vision of what the result is going to be, and yeah. they have that clear vision, but their team or the people that they're working with, employees, whoever that is, um, is not seeing that vision. That is often on the person that is having the vision because the communication is an immediate, it, it, it is the immediate um, uh, quality of your communication. So if you're not getting the results that you desire, it has nothing to do with anyone, but it has everything to do with how you communicate it, where we're going. 
Like imagine, Michelle, where are you located? Calgary, Canada. Oh, Canada. Okay. So I'm in the South, you're in the North. So if I would say, Hey team, you know, let's go see Michelle, but I would not share with them that we're going to Canada and there might be assumptions. Oh, Michelle, you know, sounds, you know, very warm spirited person. She's probably down in Miami. So let's all go get on 75 and drive South. Well, then we're going to call up Michelle and go, Hey, Michelle, where are you at? And you're going to go, uh, guys, I'm in Canada and not in Florida. No palm trees here. (laughs) (laughs) We've just lost a lot of time, a lot of money in gas and efforts. And we're probably all going to be frustrated at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Because we didn't communicate clearly. Yeah. So if you have already decided this is the result, but you're not able to communicate that clearly, that's, that's the first, that's the first step. Nice. And I love it because I see it in so many businesses. I just want to go. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Yeah, just Google me. Uh, Brigitte Hoefele, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-A-H-O-E-F-E-R-L-E. That's my full name. Or even easier center of NLP, uh, center of NLP.com. You can find me there as well. Nice. I love it. And we will, of course, have all your links in the show notes. So peeps, you can just scroll down right now and go and check out Brigida and uh, of course, continue listening while you're doing that. So now I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> if you'd ask my parents, probably from the day that I was born, <laughs> when I was six years old, um, I watched a, a TV on our little living room, grew up in a 600 people village. And it was a advertisement that kind of interrupted the program for Bread for the World. And I remember these kids that have bloated bellies and flies all over their body. And I remember crying and I said to my mom, I'm gonna help these kids. And my mom's like, how are you going to do that? And I'm like, I don't know yet. And the next day I got uh, I got with my friends in the village and I said, hey, we all have stuff that we no longer need. Um, how about we sell it and we send it into Bread for the World? And they're like, okay, Brigitte says it's good, then we're just gonna do it. Um, so we did, we got poster boards and you know we drew yard sale signs and we had it in the center of the village where the bread houses, where the women would cook uh, baked breads on the weekends. And we had a yard sale. We made 180 Deutschmarks, which probably now translate to maybe 150 euros or US dollars. That's awesome. Somewhere in that area. And we send it in. And then I forgot all about it. And like months later, I got a, or we all got an, an, a letter back from Bread for the World that said, thank you for making a big difference. And that was, I think, the first confirmation that whatever I put my mind to, I can do. Nice. I love that. That is awesome. That is so sweet. So on the, on the, (laughs) I guess on the other end of the entrepreneurial journey, are there any bloopers that you may have experienced in, in the entrepreneurial world that you're willing to share with us now? (laughs) Oh boy, where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) So one big, and it wasn't really a blooper. It was actually almost like a hit in the face. Uh, when my husband and I decided that we're going to build our business, continue to build our businesses in the United States, uh, we already sat on 
packed bags, um, put all of our stuff in a big uh, moving container, like one of those overseas containers that nowadays they put coffee shops and things like that in. <laughs> um, so we had everything uh, already, you know, set up, um, filed for our papers to immigrate to the United States. And um, it took, we decided to do that in December of 2003. And it was February of 2004 that I got my little cocky, you know what, back to the US embassy in Munich. So I walked in my confident little self and I said, hey, what is taking so long? I mean, what is going on? Why is this not happening, right? Because we were living in my husband's attic at, the, at my husband's uh, grandma's attic at the time with a toddler with a 16 month old and um, they didn't like the way that I appeared. So they took my passport and escorted me out. And now I couldn't go anywhere without, I didn't have any papers. And uh, I remember calling my husband um, back then we still had phone booths um, and I went into phone booth and I cried and I broke down and I said, you will not believe what just happened. And I told him the whole story and he goes, well, I guess that means that we're not going. And I said, nope, that is not what that means. I am not giving up. This, this is just, this is some, this is just a scare tactic and I'm not having any of it. And he says, well, so what's the strategy? What are we going to do? And I said, we're going to wait. He goes, wait, waiting is the strategy. I said, well, there's nothing else we can do. I'm not going backwards. We're just going to, and at that time, as an educator, I, I taught my teachers, I said, you as a teacher can outweigh anyone. And that's the strategy that I took. And I said, we're going to just outweigh. And sure enough, six weeks later in by FedEx, I got my passport back and we got my husband's paper. We got our daughter's paper and we were ready to go. So by April, I want to say April 7th, we moved. Nice. nice. That was one one blooper of thousands <laughs> of thousands. many entrepreneurial outlashings by telephones of <laughs> so people if you find yourself losing your mind outside of a telephone booth it's okay <laughs> so i remember there was a woman outside and she was you know she spoke english and she had a, a, a little boy on her hand and she says honey observe don't stare for <laughs> saying that I feel like is there a difference i don't know <laughs> yeah, i've been having a breakdown you can observe it you can stare i don't care it's still gonna happen it's still happening oh <laughs> that's awesome forget it you have been absolutely awesome any last words for our peeps yeah don't take yourself so serious that's that's um i say that to myself first and foremost but i think you know take it with a grain of salt take it with some humor and you're gonna get far however far you want to go i love it love it thank you so much for your time i appreciate it and i know how valuable it is thanks michelle for having me peeps this is michelle nedlek thank you for being here with us today be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends we love helping entrepreneurs grow Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.